Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Kia ora everybody, I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. Today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales is brought to you by Milk Books. If you're anything like me, you'll have a thousand photographs sitting on your phone or computer that hardly ever get a second look, but Milk Books, a custom photo book and album company proudly based here in New Zealand, offers the perfect way to ensure your photos outlast any phone or computer. Milk Books create beautiful handcrafted photo books and albums, including archival quality options that last generations. Whether you want to create a book from your holidays, your baby's first year, or if you are yet to do your wedding album, Milk Books has a beautiful format to suit any occasion. They also make an amazing sentimental gift. Their online design studio is super easy to use and offers endless customization options. There are beautiful linens and cover fabrics, thousands of designer templates and different sizes and formats to choose from, so you can create the perfect keepsake to suit your style. You can create on both desktop and mobile devices Anywhere, at any time you find yourself with a moment to spare, which is busy mums or mums-to-be, we know how important that is. They also have an autofill function that will fill the pages of your book for you, which makes the design process that much easier. Milk Books are all about ensuring your photos outlast your phone or laptop and are offering our listeners up to 30% off. Simply visit milkbooks.com forward slash kiwibirthdales or click on the link that I've popped in the show notes. As there's never enough time in the day, Milk has set up a pre-purchase offer so you can buy a photo book at the discounted rate, then take your time over the next six months to create it. Or if you're ready to check out sooner, you can check out using code capital letters KiwiBirthTales to save 25% on all photo books and albums. A huge thank you to Milk Books for coming on board and sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I'd really love for you to show them your support on Instagram at MilkBooks or visit MilkBooks.com. Milk Books actually sent me a book um, with around 60 photos in it of Jai, of course, and I am just obsessed. I don't know if you follow the Kiwi Birthdays podcast on Instagram, but I posted a little mini clip of what our book looks like and yeah, I just, I love it so much. So it's really beautiful keepsake um, and would 100% recommend. In today's episode of the podcast, I speak with Anae and Anae takes us through her birth story with her beautiful little girl. Anae's story um, starts out with a plan for a drug-free sort of natural vaginal birth. Um, That was her plan. And she talks through how things didn't really go to plan in her labor. 
she also did Your Birth Project, which is my hypnobirthing course, and she talks about how that supported her through her labor and particularly in her eventual cesarean section. Now, Anae also used uh, Māori birth philosophy, so she talks about how that had an impact on her planning, and she's actually a single mum as well. So she talks us through how she coped during her pregnancy, knowing that she was going to be doing it, um, I guess, as a single mum, even though she had the support from her baby's dad. So she talks about that a fair bit, and yeah, I just think it's a really interesting and um, informative episode so I hope that you get a lot out of it I will stop talking and we can jump into it hi and thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today kia ora thanks for having me you're welcome would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family um well my name is Anae and I am a 20 year old mum of one Harlow is her name and she is four months old now and yeah it's just us two um we live with my mum she helps me out a lot so yeah that's us yeah awesome cool and what part of New Zealand do you live in we live in Christchurch on the east side of Christchurch awesome very cool and do you want to talk us through what the journey was like to pregnancy for you um, my pregnancy was a little bit of a rough one for me. I was definitely one of those people that always dreamed of being pregnant and having a family. Um, and, um, my partner at the time, we'd been together for four years. And so we, even though I was only 19, we really wanted kids and, um, wanted to start a family. Um, but when we did find out we were pregnant it didn't work out with us so that meant that I was single for the entirety of my pregnancy and that just wasn't something that I expected and so that was um a big challenge for me throughout my pregnancy um I really I struggled a lot within myself especially during the lockdown phase of my pregnancy um just feeling really isolated in that time so yeah my pregnancy was nothing like I'd ever imagined it would probably have been um the first trimester was when we were in level four of lockdown basically after I'd found out um majority of yeah was in lockdown and so um, my mum moved in with me during that time and just looked after me. <laughs> I couldn't barely, you know, eat, you know, the first trimester mm. things. Um, so she was cooking for me and, yeah, I wouldn't have got through that time without her. Um, yeah. But, yeah, definitely was a really mentally challenging time for me. Okay, so if you want to take us through, I guess, finding out that you were pregnant. So how were you feeling? Did you do a test because you had a missed period? Or I guess what was that sort of initial um, initial phase of finding out that you were pregnant? What was that like? Um, I remember I didn't get my period. I think I was about a week and a half late, but I didn't really think much about it because my periods are a little bit all over the place. Um, So I just assumed that, I don't know, it was coming late. But one day I had really, really sore boobs and I was like, oh, maybe I should just cheat just in case because, you know, um, I wasn't on anything. 
um, in terms of contraception. So I just thought maybe I should just check in case. And like I mentioned, we were open to having kids. Like we yeah. weren't preventing. So, um, yeah, I took the test. Um, I took it by myself. Um, and I was really excited, really, really excited mm. when um, I found out that um, I was pregnant. That was It was a really exciting time for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. And you mentioned, obviously, that first trimester being really difficult in terms of how you were feeling and being in lockdown and um, your mum moved in with you. So I guess what sort of symptoms were you experiencing in that first trimester? Did you have any morning sickness or, yeah, what was that first part of your pregnancy like? It was really, it was funny because I remember when I got the positive, I was thinking, man, that's crazy. I don't feel any different. Like, I feel amazing. Like, is this what pregnancy's like? Wow. (laughs) And um, that was on the Tuesday. On the Friday, I just remember everything turned. (laughs) And I just felt like, I honestly, I could barely, like, get out of bed is what it felt like for me. Um, And so, yeah, it was week seven that it just hit me. Um, and I literally, I, the entire, entirety of lockdown, the first three weeks, I barely got out of bed. Like Mm. I spent majority of my time in bed. I just remember I'd wake up, I'd quickly eat a cracker, run to the bathroom (laughs) and, and spew. That was, that was my life for those few weeks. Mm, Poor thing. Yuck. I just, oh man, I, I'm out of my first trimester now and I'm just so grateful because I really hate that first part of pregnancy when you're feeling just so crappy all of the time. Yeah, it is like that. I remember, honestly, I spewed until I was spewing the morning I gave birth. Like, oh. I just, my morning sickness, it definitely eased off, but yeah, it never went away fully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how did you find... The rest of your pregnancy, did you decide to go with a midwife for your care and did you do all of the standard testing that's offered in New Zealand and find out the sex of your baby or what did you do there? Um, yes, well, I chose my midwife. She is really based, bases herself of Māori birth philosophies. Yeah. And um, even though I'm not Māori, I knew it was like the path I wanted to go down because it's really similar to like hypnobirthing and like the philosophies around that. And I just knew that was something I was extremely interested in. And so, yeah, I went with her for my midwife and I, like I loved every part of my midwife journey. Um, We did do basically all the standard things. My pregnancy was pretty like by the book and the fact that there was never any extra um, scans or checks or anything nothing yep. ever had to be done which I was really lucky with um, and yes we found out the gender I wanted to um, leave it a surprise but <laughs> her dad really wanted to know yeah and so yeah I got convinced to <laughs> find out was your ex-partner like involved throughout the pregnancy and sort of planned to be there for your birth or what was your plan there he was super involved, very involved. He's always wanted to be a dad. And so us being together, not not being together, sorry, let me say that again. <laughs> so us not being together wasn't a barrier at all um, when I was pregnant. Um, he wasn't able to come to the first scan because of COVID, yeah. but he came to the one when we found out 
she was a girl and um we had always planned for him to be at her birth so we just kind of actually like through your birth project was um how we were able to make a plan around that actually through listening to all the courses and stuff we were able to make a plan of how it would work for us because we both didn't know what to expect or how it was going to look and I definitely was unsure about how he could be helpful to me just because obviously it's a different sort of situation but um yeah yeah so that was the plan um yeah 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 awesome cool that's what I was going to ask you as well as did you do like antenatal classes or um any other resources so you did your birth project was there anything else that you did in preparation for your birth um yep yeah, I also did a young parents punket course um an under oh, yeah. 24 one yeah. um the just a normal antenatal class I think and that was awesome but um it was really just for me to kind of make friends with mums my age but I also yeah. did um we have a Maori uh a Maori antenatal class through an organisation called Te Pōwai Tanga down here. And so I did that as well. And that was really just in line with my birth plan yeah. and um, how I how I wanted my pregnancy to be. Um, yeah, that was just really in line for me. Cool. And do you want to take us through what your idea of a birth plan was or did you have sort of any idea of how you wanted your birth to go or what that might look like? Yep, so I didn't want to have too much of a plan, so to say, because I'm yep. super, like, organised and I like things to go my way. But I knew that this was one of those things where it was, like, <laughs> I couldn't control it. So I just had an idea of how I kind of wanted it to flow, and it was basically that I wanted to labour at home for as long as I could um, and get through as much as of it as I could by myself um I wanted to give birth at one of the birthing centers here um and have a drug-free labor and birth in the water and I wanted to labor in the water as well yeah um that was part of my plan but yeah I wanted to have her in the pool yeah okay Awesome. Cool. And did you do anything in preparation for birth or postpartum? I know that um, there's lots of things <laughs> that people can tell you to do to bring on labour or do for post-birth. So did you do like perennial massage or antenatal expressing or anything like that? Um, I did both of those, actually. I got yeah. gifted a massage and I thought, oh, why not try it? Um, so, yeah, I did the colostrum expressing um, and I kind of started that I think 38 weeks a little bit and then I think 40 weeks was when I was doing it like religiously because I was ready for this baby to come out (laughs) but yes I was doing that yeah throughout and I think what else did I try I don't know if this is part of it but actually the thing I did the day I went into labor was I swung on a swing (laughs) (laughs) yeah Cool. Awesome. And did your labour end up starting spontaneously and how far along were you? Do you want to take us through that sort of start of your labour? Yep. So I was 40, 
41 weeks, just going on to 41 weeks exactly. Um, and I hadn't had any niggles, any show, nothing. Like I thought I was never, ever going to have her. <laughs> yeah. um, and on Halloween, actually, um, seven days exactly after my due date, I rolled over in bed and I heard like a popping sound. And because I've listened to so many of these podcasts and um done all that research I had a feeling it was probably my waters but I kind of didn't feel anything so to say but I yeah. quickly got up and went to the bathroom because I thought well I've heard this noise and it came from me somehow <laughs> so and then I sat down on the toilet and then um yeah I, it felt like I was peeing but like it just kept going mm. and so I was like oh I, I guess this is probably my waters um it must be don't know what else it could be and so I woke up my mum and I called my daughter's dad to come over and yeah that was basically the start of my labour um I always have heard you know that when you go into labour it's really like slow progress and it all just you feel little niggles at first um, and so I was kind of like expecting that, but I, my birth was the start of my birth. I felt was very like movie esque, and the fact that my waters broke first, which is quite rare from mm. what I hear. And then within half an hour, I was having contractions like five to six, seven minutes apart, and they were lasting over a minute, and I could barely yeah. talk through them. So. It was a bit of a shock, I think, for me. Like I was, yeah. I was just like, "What's going on? This isn't how I imagined it to go." <laughs> yeah. And then I just kept thinking, "Well, if this is only the start, how how much worse mm. is it going to get?" But yeah, that was the start of my labour. After my daughter's dad got there, um, my mum started timing my contractions just because they were feeling really close together, and we were wondering why they were so close together so fast so we were just timing them and keeping track of them um I texted my midwife um but I knew she wouldn't get it till the next morning at 9am because that's when she checks her phone um and so I just wanted to labor and do it as long as I could during the night um I really just labored in bed for that time literally just trying to nap in between contractions because I knew that I was going to probably need energy for what was to come. But, um, yes, I I laboured there until maybe, I think, yeah, so at 9am the next morning my midwife texted me and then she just checked in. But I was still having contractions like five minutes apart, but it wasn't getting any closer together. So I just said to her, like, you know, go to your appointments that you need to go to this morning and just come when you're finished. So she came over at 11 a.m. And so that was almost 12 hours after my waters broke. Um, And she was like, you know, to my mum, this baby's coming really soon. Like, definitely by tonight we're going to have a baby. Um, And she said, you know, I think it's time we can go to the hospital if you're comfortable, uh, 
because it was a birth egg unit, sorry, but mm-hmm. it is a hospital. Um, and she said, you know, we can go there if you want. And I was thinking in my head, like, because I've heard about how horrible the ride to the hospital can be, I was like, well, maybe I should do it now while I'm not in excruciating pain. Mm-hmm. That was my yeah. mindset. Um, and because I've been in labour for well, my waters had broken 12 hours before, I thought, oh, then there surely isn't that long to go. So anyways, we drove to the birthing unit, um, and once I got there, straight away I was in the shower, and almost immediately my contractions spaced apart a wee bit more. So they went from, like, four every 10 minutes to like two to three every 10 minutes, Mm. um, which was a little bit disappointing and they definitely weren't as intense as they were at home. Um, And so we were just changing. I was going um, from the shower to the bed um, with the the Swiss ball um, and definitely over the toilet was like the one that really kind of got things going. But um, after three hours there there was kind of like no progress they weren't getting any closer together which my midwife just kind of found a little bit odd because I had progressed so fast at the Mm. start um and so we had already made a decision not to check for dilation um that was something that I didn't really want to do unless my midwife felt it was necessary um and so she did say to me, like, what did I think about her checking me just to see why I wasn't progressing kind of thing. And so she checked me and I was only four centimetres. And then she said that she wanted to wait four hours and then check again. Mm-hmm. So that was with the, the that was thinking that, oh, sorry, let me read with that. Okay. She was trying to make a plan because it was coming up 24 hours since my waters had broken. And at the birthing unit, they don't administer um, antibiotics. So I needed to go on that by the 24-hour mark. So she was trying to make a plan. So anyways, four hours went by. Um, I was trying everything I could. And she checked again. And I was only like, four and a half maybe five pushing it centimeters and so she was like yeah no like something's not quite right we're gonna have to transfer um one because I needed the antibiotics but two like she didn't say it in the moment but I knew she was just a bit concerned as to why things weren't moving along Mm. and yeah I actually I followed a lot of the um your birth project things and I really tried to change my situation and I tried everything to see if anything could help, but yeah, no, nothing yeah. was helping it at all. But anyways, um, so midnight the next night, so 24 hours later, we moved to our main Christchurch hospital. Um, and when I got there, they put the antibiotic on, in, on sorry, they put the antibiotic on and they also started me on oxytocin to help yep. progress my labor. Um, and at that point I just, I was like, oh, it's been 
24 hours like just give me any drugs like mm-hmm. I was I was way over it by then yeah. um and my midwife was really like I sh- she was trying because she knew that was like the path I didn't want to take but she ended up after a few hours um getting me morphine um and so yeah I had that but um so anyways off when we when I had the oxytocin things started progressing really fast and so I was just on the bed because I had monitors all around me and drips in me so I couldn't really move so I was laboring there from just after midnight when I got there till about 5am and they were just noting that she was quite sleepy which happens when you have morphine but they were a little bit concerned because six hours later she should have kind of been waking up mm. um and been a little bit more alert but her heartbeat was very sleepy they keep saying yeah and so they were checking her and checking her but yeah she was just like not anything she wasn't phased by much and so I eventually at about 7 a.m got to 10 centimeters and so it was a time for me to start pushing um and I was pushing I pushed for I think I was pushing for about half an hour but then they told me that her head was turned in the wrong position and that it was kind of what she had done like she just turned her head and it wasn't gonna fit properly they thought and so they thought I might need some assistance um and so after that half an hour I went into theater to get a spinal block because they wanted to trial me pushing in there and if that didn't work then move to a cesarean so it very quickly kind of changed mm-hmm. I'd been a little bit briefed that that could be the path to go down because of how long it was taking they did think there might be something wrong but um anyway so we went into theater and I pushed in there for only maybe 10 minutes um, and they they kind of pushed her back up so that she could get her head into a better position. Yeah. But then as I pushed her back down, she just kept turning her head. Mm. And so that happened twice in there and they were just like, no, we think we're just going to have to have a C-section because she she just doesn't want to turn her head the mm. right way. And, yeah, so then um, at 8.30... I had the cesarean, um, and yeah, that was it. Was pretty as soon as they put that spinal block in. That's when my memory kind of comes back because before then it's a little bit of a blur. But yeah, yeah as soon as that spinal block went in, it was like, oh, I'm alive again. <laughs> this yeah. is it was. I was very present, and um, it was still a really beautiful experience. Actually, it was my biggest fear, as I think a lot of mums will share. Um, but yeah, my biggest fear was having a cesarean um, yeah. and it actually was a really beautiful experience yeah. and I definitely, I, I couldn't wish anything different to be honest, mm. but yeah. 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 Cool. And what sort of happened from there? So was she okay once she was born? I know that you said maybe the morphine impacted her a bit and they thought she was a bit sleepy. So was she okay once she was born? When she was born, um, she didn't cry. And, like, straight away, they kind of, 
I don't know if it's normal, but they I didn't know that she'd been born. The only reason that um, I kind of realised was because my daughter's dad quickly went over to her, but yeah. they took her away from me. And I hadn't been expecting that because um, I had a plan that if I had a cesarean, my backup plan was just still to have that skin to skin as soon as possible and still like do the feed on the table. Like that's what I really wanted. And so I was really, really confused and lost with what was happening. Um, And I just remember the after parts actually probably was the, the only part of my birth I kind of had a negative experience Mm. with because um, I just lay there for probably um, 10 minutes of nobody telling me what was going on. Mm. I was asking questions and no one had answers for me. Um, they were all just kind of, I don't know, like not ignoring me, but yeah, just, I don't know, just not answering my questions. And I kept trying to call out to my daughter's dad, but he was so far away from me with mm. her. Um, he couldn't even really hear me. But I assumed everything was okay because um, he didn't he wasn't upset or anything so that was my my um my thought but anyways um after about 10 minutes he came over and he showed me a photo of her and I was asking him what's going on what's going on and he didn't know (laughs) he had no idea um and then I think it was probably 15 minutes after 15 minutes um, my midwife came over and brought her over and they put her on my chest. Um, and then she just explained to me that she was, when she was born, she wasn't breathing. And so they just had to resuscitate her a wee bit, give her a little bit of help to start breathing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of was the only thing after her birth, yeah. which was a little bit of a, a, a out-of-body experience because yeah I was like elated that I she was here finally and mm. it was like so much joy but then I was terrified because I had no idea what was going yeah. on yeah 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 and so from there did you get wheeled around to recovery and how long did you spend in the hospital um so yeah I went to recovery um straight after and we spent I think probably like four hours in there it was a wee bit of a wait um yeah but we actually ended up spending eight days in hospital because when I was in labor actually Harlow a bacteria passed through and Harlow was born with an infection from my waters being broken for so long and so when she was first born she actually was jaundiced and so we had to stay in for um an extra day because of her jaundice um but then just before we were kind of due to leave they were checking her observations and they noticed that she was breathing quite rapidly um and so they were monitoring it for that day and then they were like look we think there's something else going on so we had to stay another day and um yeah then they realized that she had had an infection and um yeah so we stayed in there for a wee bit of time um kind of just she was on antibiotics yeah um to kind of try and flush it out of her system I guess Yeah. yeah okay cool and how did you find going home after those eight days so obviously um 
you've had a major surgery and she's needed some help with some antibiotics and then you finally get to go home and um yeah everything's just so different when you take your baby home isn't it so how did you find I guess those first few weeks of being at home and did you notice any of the baby blues or anything like that yeah what was your experience like there um yeah it was really it's I think any first time mum can relate it's a really like strange experience just bringing this thing home and being so responsible for it (laughs) and it was definitely one of those moments where I understand the joke about like um does this baby come with an instruction manual because (laughs) I was seriously like what do I do now like even with all my experience with my nephews and stuff like it was just this is my own baby what if I do it wrong but yeah it was it was definitely strange (laughs) but um uh in terms of like baby blues I definitely because I had struggled a lot with mental health during my pregnancy um I just I'd I'd come to to, I just believed and accepted the fact before she'd even been born that I would probably struggle with antenatal depression like it was just in my head because of my mental health while I was pregnant um and definitely there was there was there was moments but actually I was really really like surprised that having her actually helped me like Mm. it actually was what kind of turned it for me and while I don't think it's all amazing and easy peasy yeah yeah um she she definitely was what brought me back in in a way like I I had this reason to just get up every morning Mm. and keep going and um Definitely the biggest challenge for me was navigating learning how to be a mum by myself. Like yeah. that was definitely something that still to this day is really, really hard for me. Yeah. It's something that I I struggle to not comprehend but just accept a little bit and yeah. and still try and enjoy motherhood as as best as I can, even though and in moments I feel like not that I'm missing out, but it's just not wasn't the plan that I had. Yeah, of course. That makes yeah. sense. And so that was de- that's definitely been my biggest challenge, but it's also become my biggest strength because yeah. I've really started to appreciate myself and um really bank on the the fact that like I just have me to rely on. And it, it it's been a great learning experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. And you just sound like you're doing um, an amazing job, I guess. What what does it look like for you guys in terms of like, do you have a co-parenting kind of arrangement or does your daughter's dad, um, you know, sort of spend time with her or what does that look like? Um, it's a it's a really complicated one while they're so little, I yeah. think. Like yeah. at the start, um, he spent the whole time in hospital. We're very lucky. He spent the every single night with us in hospital. They never told him to go home. <laughs> um, and the first week home, he spent with us too. So those two are like the best of friends. She loves him hmm. probably more than me. I feel <laughs> sometimes. Um, and so they built a really really strong connection over that time but yeah at the moment it's we we personally decided to go through 
mediation just because um so that it was a fair arrangement for the both of us yeah, we could yeah. find a, a middle ground um yeah. and so we're kind of in the process of that at the moment but she has now that she's four months she's started to spend um like a couple of hours a week sometimes um with yeah. him yeah. and usually he'll just visit her but yeah she started to go with him a couple of hours and it will probably kind of stay along that track for a while but yeah, yeah she definitely she loves her time with her dad mm. and I always appreciate um having a couple hours to study or clean yeah but yeah, <laughs> yeah that's kind of what it looks like for us at the moment yeah awesome and how did your recovery from your c-section go how did you find that yeah it's like it was so because I never anticipated having a c-section <laughs> it was I think a, a it felt like a big challenge for me mm. because I was I was just never never even had it in my thoughts um which I probably should have but um yeah because it was kind of it was just me and Harlow at home I I it was a bit overwhelming at the start I think because yeah. I just felt so incapable but um pretty quickly um my I felt like I was I just kind of went off my body if that makes sense like I just started walking once I felt comfortable walking and then um yeah like I've started going to the gym again and just doing it at my own pace um I was pretty lucky not to have any complications with my scar as of yet but um it seems to be healing really really well which I know isn't the case for everyone so I do feel really lucky on that part but yeah it's just one of those things where I think just the first two weeks was probably the roughest Mm. Um, yeah it was (laughs) getting out of bed was a struggle but yeah (laughs) it's it it all worked out and I mean um I was really lucky with the help that I had at the beginning yeah yeah awesome Cool. Well, thank you so much, Janae, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with us. I think um, there'll be a lot of people out there who are really interested in your story and probably resonate a lot with it too. So yeah, I'm just super grateful that you've come on the podcast and shared your experiences with us. So thank you. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed that. A huge thank you to Milk Books for coming on board and sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I would love for you guys to check them out either on Instagram at milkbooks or visit milkbooks.com. Kiwi Birth Tales listeners can save 30% on selected milk photo books. Simply pre-purchase to lock in the special offer and enjoy up to six months to create. And the special code, if you are wanting to get 25% off any photo books or albums, is capital letters Kiwi Birth Tales. So another huge thank you to Milk Books. I really appreciate you coming on board and sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. I hope you have loved this story with Anae and I am looking forward to bringing you another awesome episode next week. So thank you for tuning in. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.